Welcome back to Slot Shot Podcast, a hockey podcast brought to you by Star Six Media. The boys are back in studio after almost a very completed um, conference final round. We're almost done. We've got one team that's heading to the finals. The Cinderella story, the Florida Panthers defeated the Carolina Hurricanes in four games, third year in a row. Hurricanes swept in the conference finals. We'll dive into it. We'll get it there. We've still got one series going. Uh, Dallas is hanging on by a thread. 3-1 after a thrilling 3-2 overtime winner by uh, Jumbo Joe. Not Jumbo Joe, but Captain America Joe and Joe Pavelski winning it in Game 4 to send it to 5 in Vegas. But let's check in with our uh, our co-hosts as we always do. Alex, how are you? How's the world? The world's great. It's Memorial Day weekend. Which it is. It's just a lovely weekend of the year, you know. Long weekend right when everybody wants it, you know. Summer, summer's around. It's great. We got playoff hockey. Joe Pavelski doing his best to give us a series, which is nice. You know, exactly the guy I would have expected to uh, come up big. So hopefully hopefully we get another Dallas win coming up here and we, we get a little serious because, let's face it, like Eastern Conference Finals was kind of a dud. Four-game sweep and, and uh, close games, no doubt. But when you when it's a 3-0 series, it really takes energy out until, until those next two games are won by the other team or the series is over, you know. So uh, let's see if Dallas can give us some – some excitement here, but uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Glad to hear it. Glad to have you with us. Interesting. We'll, we'll dive into the Eastern Conference Finals, but uh, we got to check in with our boy on the left. Are we playing another drinking game? It's a, it's a lifelong drinking game for our termites out there. Anytime I reference the Bruins when they're not on the agenda, take a drink. So we'll start with one. Cilantro. Ross, take it away. How's the, how's, how, how, how are you doing? Hey, um, you know, Memorial Day weekend, we're hoping to get this out on the pod for you know, our listeners, their travel plans, whether you're in airports or road trips, hoping that you have a chance to tune in. Uh, great time of year. What can I say? Sex is in the air here. You know, it's it's Chicago. Like, people are fucking stoked to be outside and uh, getting sun. It's such a beautiful city this time of year. So, I, I just, you know, I, like I said earlier today, fellas, you know, wind at our backs, full sails. Uh, it's, it's, morale has never been higher. Uh, so I'm, I'm fired up, and frankly, I'm, I'm I'm excited and ready to like get to the conclusion of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like it's been a slog, it's been a grind, and the weather's turning, the city's turning. Like it's time to go out there and do some fucking. And um, yeah, we've been we've been watching a lot of hockey, and it's been awesome. But like now we're at the very end of the toothpaste, and uh, it's time to brush that br- brush those teeth and spit it out, and uh, you know get on with your day. So looking forward to everything, and looking forward to recording. Absolutely, I. Uh, <laughs> it's a one interesting take to uh, to the chan- transition of of spring, and, and we've seen the seventies days. It was a, it was a warm weekend in Chicago, um, and, it, and the weather is just it's getting nice. It's it's what a wonderful time of year. Uh, but it, it, the fact is, how could you say? I know it's been a lot of hockey, but I, I'm not quite ready for this playoffs to be over. I'm I'm, I'm quite excited to to hope to see uh, this Western Conference Finals series go a little bit longer, but. Um, the fact is, we've got we've got quite one series that's complete to to kind of dive right into, and and like I uh, mentioned at the beginning of the show, Canes versus the Panthers. Panthers, Cinderella story, knocking off the Bruins, knocking off the star core of uh, of the Maple Leafs. What they say? All right, well let's let's find uh, themselves in a pretty similar style of hockey. Uh, Canes and Panthers kind of they play things a little bit simpler. Panthers, a team that likes to get the pucks deep, chase, cause some pressure, put some de- uh, pressure on the defenseman, hope for the turnovers, kind of uh, find themselves in front of uh, grindy spots in front of the net and, and bury goals, as we saw for the overtime winner from Matthew Kachuk, just kind of working, 
behind the net until uh, he was able to bring it in front and, and bury it on home on a pretty goal. And, and the fact is the Panthers, uh, they were, they're riding momentum that we've seen for the last pretty much month, month and a half with an 11 and one uh, record in their last 12, but boys, 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 it's, it's time to give the Florida Panthers the credit they deserve, the attention they need, because the fact is they're going to the Stanley cup final. What do we got? Who wants to, who wants to lead it off? I'm ready to rock. Um, you know, Take a drink, termites. I've said it a lot, but the Bruins are not off the hook for losing to the Panthers. They should have beaten them. Should have beaten them in five. Should have beaten them in six. Should have beaten them in seven. Like, that's just a fact. Um, and the Panthers, the way that they're playing right now is so fundamentally different and harder to defeat. They're playing with so much more confidence. They're playing with so much more structure. Um, it, Bobrovsky's playing at a level he didn't sniff during the Bruins series. He didn't steal a single game in that series. Um, so I, I just want to open my opening take on the Panthers is the Bruins are not off the hook. Having said that, and our termites hopefully taking a drink of something, you know, some of grandpa's old cough medicine. These Panthers springboarding off that Bruins win, the confidence in the room, the contagion of we can't be beat. And you know, I think we, we, we I, I feel like we kind of coined this term just through our, through our, uh, just, just dialogue and banter last week, and it stuck with me because I've just seen it ever since we started talking about it. I've just seen it in every single game. Um, it's bouncing puck hockey versus flat puck hockey, and Florida has dominated bouncing puck hockey. And yeah, that's not like a coincidence. That's not to say that they're getting all the lucky bounces. That's to say that they're flipping the puck into the zone. Puck's bouncing into the corner. It's on edge. They're fighting. They're grinding. They're slapping at it. Um, you know, chucking the like we talked about, right? Chucking, chucking it into the mixer. Pucks, pucks, pucks around traffic. It's not a tape to tape pass, but the pucks in the area that it needs to be. Somebody tips it. Pucks bouncing around. They're slapping it and they're getting good wood on it, putting it in the net. Um, and they just like the way that they do that. You know, aerial punt play you know the 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 flip up like you get in trouble in the d zone like don't try to make a sift uh, like a swift sick like high skill don't bring me into this (laughs) don't bring me into this (laughs) (laughs) no i mean sift's a good hockey player so you're good at flat puck hockey you're also okay at at bouncing puck hockey but now not here to break down jack's game my point is they're making the simple they're making the like to use armor's words right the simple direct plays but they're capitalizing on just bouncing puck hockey and it's really hard to beat, um, and the, <laughs> I mean, there's been all right, Paul Maurice, who's yeah, I, I kind of like him. I, I'm a little torn on him. He's he's one of these coaches that's like, you know, he, he acts like it's not all about him, but like you know, it's kind of all about him to him. Um, but I I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of I'm I'm very I'm very on the fence with Maurice about hate love, but his line about Kachuk at the end of the Bruins series, take another drink. He was like. This guy's just a gamer, you know, and it's not just Kachuk. It's like they've like it's been he's become so contagious, um, and I do think he's been excellent. But I think that, and and you know, there are stats to back up his success, his point production, the three out of four game winners in the four games. That's pretty. That's just ridiculous. And like my my point is that speaks more to how much of a gamer he is than how dominant he's been. Like I would argue that. Um, I would argue that Sam Bennett's maybe played better 60-minute hockey in a lot of these games than Kachuk. 
Yeah, but like. But Kachuk's just capitalized every moment. And when when you say like how dominant, like playoff hockey, it's it's very rare a player. Like we even saw McDavid get slowed down. You're not gonna go in and dominate the ice like he can in the regular season. That's why you see a lot of these guys, like Robertson, and he's turned it on lately, but like a lot of these guys who expect a little bit more space, a little bit more time to make a play, and like think they can own the ice. It's really not how it works when you get down to these final teams. The pace of play is too quick. You're not going to be able to do everything you want. It's about just making that play quickly. And look at Kachuk's goals. Like, yeah, there's some nice ones, but how many times is he just fire, turning around, firing the puck on net, where you'd see an Austin Matthews sit there with the puck let the goalie get set while he looks for the top corner, and it's a glove safe. And, boys, c- can I put us all in a time portal and go back to a regular season pod that we did when Matthew Kachuk, I want to say it was in their qualifying game to get into the playoffs. It was like one of these big games against Pittsburgh down the stretch that they needed to win. He goes between the legs for that aerial saucer pass in the neutral zone to send his teammate on a, on a, on a odd man rush. Do you remember that mm-hmm. play that we talked about? Yep. yep. That's a good example of him using elite high-level skill in a like in a just very natural hockey sense moment yep. and i think that's exactly it arm it's like he battles and grinds and goes the dirty areas and does it with skill efficiency and force that nobody else in the league does yeah no it, it's it's funny I was, I was watching something on uh on social media and it was it was a room filled with uh, i think matthews uh eichel all these young stars and they're asked who uh, who are your kind of your guys that you it was, model. It was, it was, it was Matthews, Line, and Kachuk when they were drafted. Correct. Don Cherry used to do a go. coach's corner with, with all the high picks on Canadian national TV. Correct. Just to set and, the stage. And so uh, they're asking the question, you know, who do you guys idolize? Who do you guys kind of want to model your game after? The guy goes, Corey fucking Perry. The worm. The worm. He's got the skill of a, of a guy like anyone in that room as he was drafted as highly as he was. But the fact is, he uh, he models his style after a gritty presence, and uh, also had that elite skill. Yep. You know? yep. Perry's it, a very it's good. it's it's kind of wild. But uh, the fact is, Matthew Kachuk, the wave has been delivered. I think uh, you, you mentioned Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhart, all these guys, kind of just finding that extra step, that buzz that this Florida team has found. You said Paul Maurice. You know, obviously it was it was interesting times in Winnipeg, uh, but the fact is, I think he's got this team just kind of locked in and, and all cylinders he stepped into uh, obviously a, a, a locker room that had been president cup president's cup trophy winners the year before they had the turmoil with quinville getting fired you know andre or andrew burnett comes in and kind of leads them to the playoffs they you know they find themselves out in the second round and what happens they kind of they turn some stuff over they uh they make some changes and and now we find the panthers cruise into the stanley cup playoffs Alex, any any thoughts on this Panthers team as we uh, continue on? Yeah, I mean, this is – I think it's a deep team that – like, I, I think it gets undersold how deep this team is. And people say Cinderella story, and I get it. They were the eight seed they snuck in the playoffs. Look up and down this lineup. You got Bennett, Kachuk playing together. That's already an elite line, right? You have Verhage. You got Reinhardt. Guy we haven't touched on yet, but who had a great series, Sasha Barkov. Just a fantastic – Finally. And, and he showed up. He, he answered the bell – when it was rung and everyone was like, Barkov, let's see you let's see you play how the Panthers are playing. And he did, and he was excellent. Um, and then you just get guys contributing throughout the lineup because it's how they play. You know, you got Duclair getting a nice greasy goal, you know, where he hits one off the post, stays with it, goalie can't find the puck, puts it in. Lombard gets a nice little greasy goal. Puck falls to him, he's in the right place. It's a lot of these plays. And, like, the big, like, overarching takeaway I had from this series was Carolina was able to play this kind of bully ball with not necessarily a bully ball roster. 
you know, a very good roster, but like there's not too much size. Obviously, they have like Stahl, Brent Burns, Slavin. It's a lot of guys, but Florida just said, let's blow this thing up. You know, like where I think a lot of other teams got stuck in the mud against Carolina, and like rightfully so. I don't blame you. Like Carolina is very sound defensively. Florida just went in and started throwing bodies around, you know? And they started playing pucks in, and they just said, we're going to attack this style of defense. And I think a lot of other teams had tried to, like, finesse around it, and it just didn't work. New Jersey, I don't think, had the, the I don't know, the aggression really necessary. I don't think the Islanders did. Um, even though the Islanders showed it at times, they just maybe didn't have as much skill. Florida kind of brought the whole, the whole package there. Sam Bennett is proving himself as one of, like, the top, like, and it's weird to say, but, like, where do we value a Sam Bennett in the center landscape? I, I think if we talked before the playoffs, everyone would have said, and Barkov is kicked back, so like it's he's proving himself too, but like everyone would have said Barkov is clearly the better player, right? Sam Bennett is looking like one of the best players in the world. And if not one of the best, one of the most valuable players because of how he plays. Um, it's just, it's impressive. The defensive core is strong. Um, I don't, I don't know. I love it. Radko had a good series, you know, because Radko, when he plays his game, he's playing his game, you know. It'll be interesting to see how long that beard gets. It's already about a foot in about, like, two, three weeks. It's a foot. So, like, does that just continue to grow at that rate or does it slow down? I don't know. But it's – I don't know. There's just a, – there's a lot of good stuff, and I liked how they did not care about what Carolina was going to do, where seemingly every other team did. And every other team catered to Carolina. They just said, fuck it, let's go. Let's go hit some people, throw pucks on net, and buzz. And they did, and it worked. A lot of great points there, Arm Dog. Um, I, I agree with just about everything you said. Um, like, like looking at the centers in the NHL and power ranking them, not for regular season, not for international play, not for who's the best player, who's the most valuable in a playoffs, that's – Maybe an off-season topic we'll have to dive into as we as we lighten our load and our schedule. But like Sam Bennett is, I just can't say enough about a guy that gets it in the playoffs and his KO on Slavin. Ugh, what a hit! What like an, what a clean. hit! And 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 like the the opening minute of that game, right? It ended up coming down to a goal in the last five seconds that 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 won it, which is a big credit to Carolina because let's remember this, right? And we, we'll get to Brendan Moore. I know Jack wants to touch on it, but. Like, jokes aside, and I'm very – I'm ready to gang up and start making fun of Brandon Moore. But Carolina didn't get smoked in this sweep, no. which is a weird thing to say. But um, to Arm's point, like – like, and I, I give – I give first I give Biz credit for explaining the man-to-man D that Carolina does and how teams will try to address it. Teams will try to drag the defenseman high in the zone and play down low against the forwards. That's like the X's and O's ways to try to beat it. Feels like Florida didn't overthink it, and they just said, "Just go be aggressive. Just be aggressive. Yeah. Just be aggressive." Bouncing puck hockey, and like they just did it. And so, um, I couldn't agree more with with again just about everything you said. But I think I think the big thing, and I I do think that Maurice deserves a little credit for this, but it's also the players, the roster, and like their overall attitude is they were the aggressors, and they just decided to take it to. Carolina to be more physical, to be more edgy, to push the envelope, to play right on that line, and to dictate play. And as tight as this series was, it felt to me like like it was constantly Florida being the aggressor and Carolina counterpunching. And we haven't even discussed Bob Sergei Bobrovsky 
Please. Jack, um, I'm sorry. Before we get to Bob, can I can I wrap can I wrap just a quick comment on on, on a couple things that aren't pointed out about the cats? Because Bob deserves his own segment. Bob, really Bob we got to talk Bob. I, I just got to make one, sure we I don't miss Bob. Point two to follow up. But but really quick, really quick, Arm. One thing you said, right? You said strong decor for Florida. So I completely disagree. I don't think I, I think I think if if every NHL GM got in a room and they looked at defensive rosters, like you you looked at the like every team's top six defenseman pairings. Yeah. They would look at Florida and say that's around 15 to 20 in the league. I think that's sure. what most GMs would look at. But this postseason, they've gotten unbelievable play out of those guys. Oh, it's it's Rodka Gudis. You never in a million years would you expect a guy like him playing the minutes and just what they've unlocked from the decor. But continue, so, sorry. Well, so we, everybody knows it's a Gudis podcast. We, we, I'm not saying we're going to abandon Miles, but Gudis and Miles are like our guys up front, Nundy. But um, like Mahuras, who's been playing with Gudas, the two of them have they've just been simple and clean and not making errors. But honestly, the biggest standout to me, um, based on expectation versus performance, is Mark Stahl. Mm-hmm. I've hated on Mark Stahl so much throughout his NHL career. I was always down on him. thought he carried the last name further than his play dictated. Uh, he's 38 years old. Oh, the speed is, is no longer there. He's it's never, never been really fa- been there. He's never been fast. The yeah. league's only gotten faster, and I just never have thought he's been good. He's been playing top four minutes with Montour, and mm-hmm. everything that we've seen out of Montour flying up and down the ice and being like probably, probably, I mean, it's probably like Kachuk, Bennett, Montour, Barkov, like – like in the mix of the most influential skaters, and I give I give Stahl a shitload of credit because he's enabling that that rover mentality for Montour, mm-hmm. and he's just playing lights out, which I haven't seen out of Mark Stahl in eight years. So oh, yeah. I, I want to give that shout out to Mark Stahl for that yeah. because Lundell or um, no, it's not Lundell. Lundell's Forsling. the center. Forsling, thank you. Forsling has been sort of a breakout player that we all I think we all thought was a good player going into this. We've seen him get to new heights. And Ekblad's pretty much been playing solid D and like not getting into trouble and allowing better better than what you were expecting. Um quieter than you were expecting. Quieter, quieter, thank you. Yes. Quieter than you were expecting. He gets the treatment of a number one pick, as you should. Doesn't mean he's not a great player. It's like you're expecting a little bit more from a number one pick who has that pedigree, right? It, oh. No, it, it's all good. But that was my big point in the decor is that, like, they're playing out of their minds. Yeah. And it's contagious, and Bob's helping that. Yeah. But what were you, what were you we'll get there. On? We'll get there. Yeah, just my last point on this Florida team, which I think is, uh, again, speaks to the depth. Going into the to the cup finals, in pretty much every series, like, against the Bruins, we saw a lot of Montour, right? We saw a lot of Montour. Montour kind of didn't go to sleep, but he wasn't putting up – he wasn't scoring at the same rate. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pieces that can pick up scoring on this roster. Yeah. Um. So then you look in, like, who's going to be the breakout performer in the finals? I can see the leading scorer. Like, it's probably going to be Kachuk, just the way he's been on. But if it's Bennett, not surprised. If it's Reinhardt, not surprised. If it's Verhage, not surprised. If, if it's, it's Barkov, Barkov, not surprised. If it's Montour, not yeah. surprised. Glad you like, said Verhage, yeah. There's, there's so many guys who can get hot and put in goals mm-hmm. for this team and grind. And Duclair, who's been struggling, right? He's a 30-goal scorer. He's a yeah. very high draft pick. Yeah, yeah. He skates like the wind. Like, he could come alive and score four goals in seven I games. <laughs> I like I like Duclair to maybe have – he doesn't play power play, so that's not going to give mm-hmm. him the big point totals, but I like him to have a couple big goals. I think that goal for him in game four Huge. was a good wake-up call for him. Mm-hmm. Like, look, if I just get the puck – like, it's one of those goals that can get you back on track. And the you other just, thing- like, start throwing it at the net a couple times, and you see things happen, you, you start to play that way. On a Duclair note, I think they kind of were hoping that they were going to see that. I think he scored one late in the Toronto series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's been touch and go offensively, but, but what I give them credit for is that, like, he, he 
he's not playing at that 30-goal last year breakout no, season. No, no. However, they've bumped him down the lineup. He's yep. getting less minutes. He's playing a good grinder role, yeah. and he's still got that talent, right? Mm-hmm. So It's it's something that could be unlocked, and, and the fact is you can't overlook uh, the potential scoring. It, it may not be names that, uh, that people are, are necessarily used to, but the fact is these Florida guys, they're, they're becoming household names very quickly, and uh, you got to love what you've seen from the skaters. But Sergei Bobrovsky, I mean, I think it's Kachuk, Bobrovsky, in terms of a, a Conn Smythe uh, trophy winner for this, this run at this point. But, uh, you know, in the overtime game, I think he had 40-something saves. You know, the, the guy has been, been fantastic. And we've talked about, you know, I think, yes, Florida's D has been uh, unlocked. But uh, the fact is there. Bob has bailed this team out in, in some moments. I think there's been some games where that hasn't been necessarily the case, but Sergei Bobrovsky has unlocked uh, a similar Vezina form that we've seen from him, and, and it's fun to watch uh, watch him kind of turn on turn on the play at this point. So I, I, before we close out on, on the Panthers and move on to the Hurricanes in, in this kind of tumble, Sergei Bobrovsky needs his, his time to shine. Three big points of Bobrovsky. First one, take a drink. He wasn't playing this well against the Bruins. I just can't emphasize that enough. Second of all, um, he's been so damn good that he's he's playing in the at the level where John Sebastian Jaguar played in the year before the lockout when he won the Conn Smythe, which is playoffs MVP, in a losing effort. They lost to the Devils. He still won Conn Smythe because he was that good. Borowski's playing that well. Um, so if they end up winning it all, it'll probably be and if and if Kachuk plays a similar like clutch role in the final. I mean, I, I, that's going to be a tough vote for the writers. I could see it being like almost a 50-50 split, one of the tightest consumers ever. Having said that, the, the last point I have on Bob is I, I think it's been less about him stealing games. He's stolen one here, one there. But I think the biggest impact of him is he's freeing up the Panthers to play like this this very like underdog mentality, being the aggressors, like like bouncing puck hockey just playing forward playing fast like they have the he's like that confidence that we talked about with Kachuk that's contagious it's also coming from the net out too and it's just a really right now it's a it's a very special uh chemistry that they've found that I don't know it's it it, yeah this is why hockey's in the Stanley Cup playoffs are the best tournament in sports and the best trophy in sports because you can never predict this shit. But what's going on right now between Kachuk from the top down and Bobrovsky from the goal line out, it's like this weird juju crock pot of like a witch's formula that's just it's it's tough to beat right now. It's hard to bet against them. It's 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 special stuff, Alex. Well, I think just a, an interesting point on this is like Bobrovsky's a guy who's shown it and uh, in the past. And none of us really thought of him as like, oh, is he going to come do this in the playoffs? That wasn't a discussion, but we did talk about Jonathan Quick. We did say, uh, like, we did. Like, that was a, a talking point right, of Vegas. Right. Quick got more time than Bob. Is Jonathan Quick going to have this return to form? <laughs> and it's been Bobrovsky, which is like, it, it's funny that they're looking like they're both going to be in the cup finals. Uh, well, one from the ninth one, floor yeah, and one, one receiving one the consequence if we win or lose. in the suit. <laughs> but it was like, we, we talked about this. Like, a goalie can find their form again. And it was just a completely different one that was off our radar because I guess they were playing the Bruins in the first round. We didn't even think it was a, a possibility, right? Well, it, None of us I did. don't think. I, I know I didn't. What, wasn't it Lyon that came into game one for for Florida? Mm-hmm. So Alex Lyon, uh, so final, <laughs> final, 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 last, Quick final. Quick 30-second thought on Lyon. 30-second thought on Lyon. Panthers do not get in the playoffs at Alex Lyon because Bob was lost. He was mm-hmm. hurt. He wasn't playing well. 
Alex Lyon came out of nowhere, 30-year-old, played college at Yale, like just a nobody. And he came into the lineup and played, I think, 15 out of their 16 last regular season games. They needed to win. They got into the playoffs in Game 82 when the Penguins lost to the Blackhawks. They needed that help. Thank you very much. They needed that help to get in. And still got Bedard. They needed that help to get in. It, it's it's quite the yeah, – sorry. I, <laughs> and, and, and no, no, no. But my point is Alex Lyon was a starting goalie to start uh, the playoffs. And this goes back to my whole, you know, Bob didn't steal the Bruins series thing. But my, my point is Alex Lyon played a critical role for this Panthers franchise in enabling all of this to happen. And now he's got the coziest seat in the house, wearing the ball cap on the bench, watching Bob do his thing, and knowing, like, if they go on to hoist Lord Stanley, his name belongs on the cup, and it'll be on the cup. And he played a huge role in helping them. And he looks like he looks like he's having a, a great attitude out there, too. Like, I, just from the clips I've seen from the bench, he looks... Obviously, he's fully invested, but, like, it, it doesn't seem like he's upset he's sitting. I think he gets it. He gets that Bob's hot. And it's it just seems all good vibes in in, in Florida right now. The vibes are are very real in Florida. It's a vibe crockpot. You've seen it, and uh, and the fact is, I mean, even Brooks Kepka is is going wild in the in the building. You're seeing actually this Florida building come alive a little bit. You're still seeing every once in a while the empty seat on the cameras. So you'd, you'd love to see that not be the case. But uh, the Panthers have been fun to watch so far, and and the fact is their their story continues on. Moving on to, to the losers of this series, the Hurricanes, Carolina, Rob Brendamore and his, uh, his team that seemingly had pretty much the neutral zone locked up. They played a tight, like you said, man-to-man game. It's something that is hard to strategize, but they were beat. And I don't, I don't want to say, I, I think Tavo Teravainen came back in this series. A little bit of a, of a curse there, Tavo, and, and, <laughs> and kind of stole the mojo right out of, out of the Hurricanes. But What uh, about Tuvo? What about Tuvo? <laughs> uh, but in in my first initial thoughts, I don't think goaltending killed this Hurricanes team. All close games. Uh, we do have comments from Rob Brendamore that we'll kind of uh, we'll touch and go on. But the fact is that the Hurricanes, it, it, it was something we were worried about. Where was the scoring going to come from this Hurricanes team? And and yes, the, the Florida Panthers, we gave them all the credit in the world of what they were able to do. But scoring didn't come alive for the Hurricanes, and, and it seemed to kind of bite them in the ass as, as – as the Hurricanes were able to sweep uh, or were, be, were swept by this Panthers team. But, uh, Alex, I'm going to let you go first on this one. What what did you see and what are your thoughts on uh, on this Carolina Hurricanes team losing in the Eastern Conference Finals for the third straight year? And I think it's the third straight year with a sweep. It's third straight Carolina Hurricanes franchise Eastern Conference Final appearance that resulted in a sweep. It's not three straight years on the calendar. Gotcha. Thank you for the clarification. Okay. Alex, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it is uh, – I, I think the concerns we had with Carolina appeared, right? The the top-tier scoring wasn't there, and I don't think we ever thought it was going to be, but it, it just wasn't, and it reared its head there. Um, it the, – the goaltending was not an issue, per se, but the goaltending was – A carousel. It just wasn't great, you know? Like, for a team that's built on – the team that's built on like defensive approach and sound defensively and this man marking system, which was I, I still think effective. Like I do, again, this wasn't a blowout by any, by sweep standards, let's say. Um, but uh, it wasn't. They weren't stealing games with the goalie position, and never thought they were going to. The area which I I guess should have noticed earlier, and I, I didn't. They're not physically intimidating, and there's players on this team like Jordan Stahl is a massive man. And he, 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 he reared his head a couple times. 
Brent Burns, big dude. Slavin, big dude. Like, they have some guys. They're not going to be in a brawl. You know, they're going to outsystem you. So, I don't know. I, I, I like Sebastian Ajo. I think he's a really good player. There, need, there seems to be a need for more scoring. Sveshnikov, I think, would have been big. We've talked about him a lot going down and what, what that could have changed. I mean, all of a sudden, one of those pucks that falls and it's Sveshnikov there could be a goal and changes the series completely if that mm-hmm. happens in game one, two, or three, right? Like, there's a lot of things where it was just not enough. And, like, also, for a team to get to the conference finals without Svechnikov, without Pacioretty, who I know didn't play all this year, but Pacioretty's a big part of that cap. Um, it's really hard to have top-tier scoring. Mm-hmm. What I will say on this Carolina team, which I, I think is a good reason to be optimistic, is they've shown that with the players they're given, they can, they can play well. Um, and I know everyone's looking at the sweep and they're acting like, okay, this is just a flop from Carolina. I, I think this was actually a good season, especially given Pacioretty and Svechikov not playing. Um, and I think if you're a, Pan- or a Hurricanes fan, you got to have a lot of confidence going forward that you can make roster changes. And I think Brindamore has solidified himself as a very strong coach in, in the way he gets the guys to play um, in the systems. They need to have some roster changes going into this offseason. Um, I, th- I think there needs to be a little shuffle up. But I think, they're again, next year going to be one of these favorites because of how they play. They have a proven system that I think is, is good. They just need a little different juice in that lineup, I think. Seventh team in NHL history to lose four straight by one goal. Carolina, um, you know, I think we, we talked – you brought up Sebastian Ajo's a little bit. Um, I think this is actually the series that most shined in the sense of, of losing a Sveshnikov that's, that's top scoring um, and a guy that kind of finds him, himself also in the right spots. Uh, Pacioretty, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, he carries a heavy load on that cap. It's, it's interesting, you know, I think as we've talked about in terms of the last uh, three appearances from this Carolina team in this Eastern Conference final, it's like, what is this missing piece? And we'll, we'll cover that in the offseason pod as we kind of break down the, the year in, in total. But the fact is um, they they just were beat. They were beat. And uh, Rob, uh, Rob Brendamore, his comments were, you know, we were in every game. We weren't – didn't feel like we were swept. You know, it, it just felt like we were, were beat. And uh, the fact is they were. And, um, you know, I think they'll be searching and, and drawing for the answers. It'll be interesting to see if there's any hot seat question marks that, given the fact that we've seen some dismissals with this playoffs. I don't know if Brendamore's – names yet to be called but uh there's some question marks of whether or not he can finish and, and carry a team to the uh the finals maybe staying healthy and and a little bit more of a luck on their draw would help but ross i'm, I'm ready and I'm, I'm excited to hear what you've got on this on this carolina team so you mentioned right there brenda moore and hot seat the two words are in different planetariums he's the most secure coach in the nhl ownership's not going to move away from him there's full and complete buy-in in what he does. Um, and in that market in Carolina, he's done maybe exactly what they want him to do. Mm-hmm. They He's made chicken salad out of chicken crap sometimes. They've been a consistent team that's had playoff success. Not all the way, but we talked about it before the final, the, the conference finals. You get into the final four of your seasons of success. I don't care if you had a Bruins season or if you had a Panthers season, right? Like mm-hmm. That's a success no matter what. Um, so I, I do agree on that front. His little like, you know, just like rattled baby comments, like I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. It, it, you, you, we lost in four, but we didn't get swept. It's like uh, it's kind of embarrassing, dude. But but at the end of the day, 
he's doing exactly what ownership and management pays him to do. Um, and I, I don't, he's, he's not even close to the hot seat, but, um, what I do want to mention because, you know, the, the, the rank and file, right? All the talking heads, the bash on the, on the Canes roster, the bash on the Canes deadline activity or lack thereof is the, the absence of top end scoring. And Aho, I thought was a consistent threat throughout the series. I know his numbers weren't excellent, but you know, they didn't score a lot of goals. How'd the high end scoring talent on the Maple Leafs look against Bob? Like, you know, it, and, it, and so it just, it, it, it's, it's a little frustrating for me that people use that as the cop-out. Like, the reason that Carolina didn't win is because they don't have that high-end scoring. And I do think that Sveshikov could have made a difference. Um, I don't think that any GM in their right mind looks at Max Pacioretty and says, I'm going to count on this guy for 82 games in a healthy postseason. Oh, none of us said that. We just I know, I know, I know, I know. Cap carry. Right, right, right. In, all, in fairness, Jack, right? That's an off-season topic, so I'm not going to go crazy there. But m- my point is, um, Ajo still has his playoff stamp. I thought he was a threat and playing hard. And, you know, it, 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 it's hard. This Panthers team, the way Bob was playing, the way they were playing, it – and, and to, to that original point about, like, the X's and O's and the neutral zone and the discipline of the Brindamore system, it's like the, the, the Panthers were just so ready to just skip that whole X's and O's thing and dump it in. And their willingness to do that helped them dictate play. But one thing, uh, a, a couple kind of notes that, that I think we breezed past that I just want to mention uh, before we get to the West, uh, to the Western Conference is I didn't realize this. Uh, Brindamore and Paul Maurice's, like, track record and history, are either of you aware? No. Is it, like? So, so, so Paul Maurice started coaching at like 28 because he was a player and he had a horrible eye injury and he had to retire early. Like, you know, his body was still ready to go, but his vision was like too bad to be a player. So he entered coaching way, way early. He was like one of the youngest head coaches ever. So he's not that old of a guy, but he's got a lot of experience. He coached the Hartford Whalers when Brindamore was a whaler. And so he coached Brindamore when he was a player, when Brindamore was on the up and like everything was good and groovy. He coached Brindamore when they won a cup. And he also came back to Carolina, I think, and coached Brindamore at the end of Brindamore's career when he healthy scratched Brindamore, when he stripped the C away from Brindamore, when wow. he basically screwed Brindamore over. And the two of them do not like each other. And when Brindamore was asked about all this, he said his big takeaway was, yeah, you know, it taught me a lot about how not to treat my guys. Um, and he, he didn't, like, he didn't shy away. He was like, I mean, that's my big takeaway. And so, you know, Maurice, with all of his kind of, you know, Sly John Cooper esque like engagement with the media and everything. Um, Rod Moore's got to just feel so he's got to have so much rage in his blood this off season, <laughs> and you know honestly couldn't happen to, to a nicer guy. But you know, the, the last thing I just want to say on the Canes as we you know put them to rest and um, maybe chuck some dirt on their grave is that uh, I just I, I love the compete from Burns. Um, the, the, there were a couple moments there. I just jotted down some sequences. I'm not going to go crazy, but over the course of these really, really tight games that could have gone either way, honestly, I, I don't think it's safe to say that Carolina could have swept uh, the Cats, but I think we could be looking at this series right now or we would, you know, doing this pod probably next week, looking at a game six or a game seven mm-hmm. if they just squeak out one any of the overtime games. Yeah. But th- the compete level is never an issue. I thought Burns and Slavin really bought it. Um, and, and the Kachuk Bennett, like there were just a couple moments. I jotted down some, but like in game three where they just went full bash bros and you saw Bennett going right after Slavin, who for those listeners that don't know, is one of the best positional defensemen, but never takes penalty minutes because he's so disciplined and you know, he's not a soft player, but he's just so disciplined and polite. Like he just, he doesn't want to get into the muck and Bennett is just so the opposite and Bennett like pushing his buttons and eventually crushing him in game four that, yeah put him on planet zippy 
Um, and <laughs> I, 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 I want to get, I want to give that some credit. And then the last thing, this is actually a Panthers item, but I did want to get it out. We talked about Barkov starting to produce offense a little bit and about how his defensive game was looking good. I saw some advanced metrics and stats that I never think of. I'm down on the nerd stats, but Barkov had these nerd stats about like passes disrupted. And it's like these weird ranking things that I don't really understand. But he was like first, 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 first in all these. It was like defensive zone, passes disrupted or passes broken up. It was neutral zone, passes disrupted and passes broken up. And like, he, so I, I think he was contributing on the margins regardless of the offensive production. And we, I think before the series, the big conversation point was, can they unlock Sasha Barkov and go? And the simple answer is Barkov's in it now. Everybody's in it now. And they're going to be tough to beat. I also I like that stat because I think one thing that I notice a lot when I'm playing, but it's hard to see watching as much, mm-hmm. taking away passing lanes. Oftentimes taking away the passing lane leads to somebody else making the play because the puck moves elsewhere into a tight spot. Somebody comes and lays a hit. Somebody has a good interception, right? And you don't notice the guy who took away that first option. Barkov, and again, it's not like saying we fully understand these stats, but uh, it's good that people are putting time and in, in research into this are, are seeing that because... Um, yeah, I, I think Barkov is a great player, and I think he's, he's mm-hmm. showing it. It's good to see he's doing it on the defense. Like, it kind of looked like he was playing well defensively, but like those are some things you may not see. You know? Yeah, no, Boys, I, absolutely. Sh- shall we take our mechanical spider legs and crawl over to the Wild Wild West? Mm-hmm. <laughs> good transition. <laughs> Ross will never let it go. Um, so if you're the one without the mechanical spider legs, I, I guess you – not to spoil, but you win in the end. Well, I mean, visually, we're the legs. He's the brains and the torso. He's oh, got so the he's, venom. He's, he's got the venom in the pincher. Dr. Loveless. Dr. Arliss Loveless. I am not. Here. No, 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 no. That's fucked up. No, no, that's so fucked up. That's so fucked up. Don't go watch Wild Wild West. Okay, Dr. Lo- Dr. Loveless, take us on no, to the no, West. No, 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 no. I don't have no association with Dr. Loveless. That's fucked up. Great movie, uh, Panthers take the Canes in four. Panthers are waiting. They're waiting. How long are they going to be waiting? We'll find out. We've got those dates for you at the end of the pod. But we're moving on to uh, the Western Conference final. That is not over. As much as we thought that Dallas was just kind of laying over and and kind of just dropping an egg and and letting Vegas cruise, uh, we'll get into the kind of the the uh, the acts of 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 Game Three. Uh, but the fact is, Vegas, a team that quietly you know kind of just bottled up into the west coast a, a team that has uh has frustrated pretty much everyone in their path so far and and the fact is they're um they're just they're they're getting timely goaltending from Aiden Hill they're getting timely scoring from guys like Eichel Jonathan Marcia so holy hell has he found himself in the right spot he is a hot hand that he's just good it, pronunciation it, baby great pronunciation thank you very much uh but, no, it, this Vegas team, I mean, Prashangelo leading it from the blue line. It, it has been uh, spe- spectacular to watch as, as the Vegas Golden Knights cruise to a, a tough 3-0 lead before we, we got to game four. But where do we want to start with this Vegas-Dallas series, boys? Ross, uh, I'll let you lead because I let Alex go first on, on the Panthers or on the Canes. What, uh, where do you want to start? you want to start right from game one? I, I, I really do, and without getting too forensic about it, um, you know, I, I obviously it's no secret. Not 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 just our boy Polly um, and, and and some of our back and forth. And everybody knows, right? I, I picked Dallas, Dallas over Carolina in the finals uh, in October. You're welcome. Um, it's pretty goddamn close, if you ask me. But anyway, um, Dallas went into Las Vegas in games one and two, 
and played exactly the type of road playoff games you want to play in games one and two, and they come away with zero for it. So that is a really freaking tough pill to swallow. And they lost both those games in overtime, one of which in what, quadruple overtime? Oh, no, sorry, I'm, I'm mixing up series. But um, they lose they lose um, both of those games in – Single in, overtime. Both those games in Las Vegas after playing really strong road games and just bringing it top to bottom on the, across the roster. Um, and that's a really tough pill to swallow. They come home for game three and – you know, I, I stay away from the NBA stuff, but I've got my threads with the friends back home in Boston, and so they're talking to me about this NBA playoff stuff, about their green team that they follow. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, one of the things that makes me most sick about the NBA is how willing a team's ready to just roll over and die mm-hmm. when it's not their night, the shots aren't going, and, like, <laughs> they just give up and quit in the NBA. Game three in Dallas was one of the – most shocking moments for me watching an NHL team with legitimate Stanley Cup hopes just fuck up and piss away the game completely early and then not really fight back the way they so, should have the rest of the game. I don't want to I don't want to stop you right in your no, tracks. No, 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 I don't no. want I don't want to get straight into game 3 because I think that's going to be okay. um one of our longer debates and in, in kind of what happened uh but no, I mean, you are spot on. The fact is Dallas finally saw Jason Robertson come to life. He's finally starting to score a little bit. Um, but uh, Hinsk has kind of fallen, the, fallen a little bit. Hinsk. Hinsk. Hints. H-I-N-T-Z. Hints. Hints. There's Hints. no K. No K. Hints. Rupe. Rupe, the rope man. Um, where, uh, where, you know, the scoring was in, in the series prior, it, it just hasn't hasn't necessarily fallen the right way in terms of game one and two, close games. I think 3-2 in game one, or game two, and then 4-3 in game one might be vice versa. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but, Alex, what do you got on games one and two before we kind of deep uh, deep dive into the the disaster of what game three was? And before, and Alex, I, 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 just, I think that makes a lot of sense for us to just talk about games one and two in a vacuum, then talk about game three, then what's left. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, Go ahead, yeah. Arm. Sorry. We don't want to spend, spend it all on one. So, Alex, what do you got on games one and two? Yeah, I mean, I think, Ross, you nailed it on the head. It's disappointing, and it's deflating for a team to, to go play this strong style of hockey and just not have any results, you know? And, like, like you can argue, like, okay, I don't know, games one or two, forcing them to OT, coming back home, you feel good about yourself, right? You can argue, like, look, we, we, we went in their building, and we, we battled, and these were games that had to go to OT because they were so close, and we could have won either one. That's one way to look at it. The other way is like, look, we did all that and still didn't come out on top. And I, I, I think there's, yeah, there's those are the two ways you can really analyze that. Oh, it kind of um, emulates Brenda Moore's point of how that that series went with Carolina in, in his words. Yeah. Uh, but yes, you're you're not wrong. I mean, it, it's bounces. It's uh, it's it's yes. But sorry, and there's continue. there's totally luck involved. Like. Uh, it, like any sport, there's going to be luck involved. You know, there's going to be bounces, and you you could feel you should have gone the other way. At the end of the day, it's two losses. You're going back home with pressure to win two, essentially. You know, um, I think it's really hard, and this is why home ice is is valuable. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to come back from a two zero series down. You know, you got to win four of the next five. <laughs> that's that's what the reality is, and, and that starts by winning two at home. Um, so it puts a lot of pressure on that game three. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought I thought that was probably their. I didn't watch the full games of either of them, but I, I I got bits of them. They they played well. 
didn't have the finishing touch when it mattered most. I think Ottinger has, and I'm not saying he's played horribly. I wish he had stolen a game, you know? I, I wish he had stolen seven. a game, and I think for this Dallas team, it's not that they need that, but um, that's what you're expecting out of Jake Ottinger. You know, they, mm-hmm. they saw it last year. They've seen it in sports this year. In the playoffs, I think he's been overall bad, uh, I think, the, for the whole playoffs, and they've been able to cover up for it. But I don't think he's been a, what you expect from Jake Ottinger. No, in um, podcasts past, I mean, I think you were actually one that called him an X-factor for this Dallas team, and he hasn't been said X-factor. And, and you're, I think you're spot on about that. If he's an X-factor, we'll they win the, one of those games. what happened in Game 3. They win but, one of those games. Yeah. But – my issue is I think they, they took games one and two, and I don't, I don't know if you guys have more points on game one and two, but they, they went into game three with a with an attitude of, oh, we didn't win either of those two. Maybe we gotta, we're got we not doing the right things. It, it felt – any any thoughts on, on what Armdog had? Everything else I have is about their approach, mentality, and execution in game three. Okay, so let's, let's, let's deep dive into game three. Let's start it off, Jonathan Marcia Show. Minute in uh, minute, Marcia's. Oh, fuck me. You got it once. Let's go. Marcia So. Marcia So scores uh, quickly into game three, a minute and eleven in, and then it becomes quickly the Jamie Ben Show. Riding Mark Stone along the boards, the penalty box side of the ice, he uh, he delivers a, a cross check to the neck air, head area of Stone, uh, kind of falling on, on him. Too. And, and the puck's nowhere near the, the play it had been, but the two kind of locked up, and, and Jen, Ben wasn't really quite ready to let go, and, and he felt like this team needed a message if they needed something. And, and the fact is he sent the complete wrong message. He sent a cross-check to the head and landed himself with a game misconduct five-minute major that was looked at quickly, reviewed and confirmed, and, and the Dallas building went quiet. Go. So I'd like the three of us to debate the whole Ben play and, and penalties, et cetera, but just to paint a broad stroke for our audience about game three, what happened the first really three, four minutes of the game. Two goals allowed early, and they came out of the gates, I thought, I thought flying and it was competitive, and then all of a sudden, Marshall gets lost and scores. Yep. All of a sudden, um, all of a sudden, your captain gets thrown out of the game and you go on a five-minute penalty kill. All of a sudden, your goalie misplaces an odd man rush and doesn't track the guy and gives up one that you'd like to have from a Jake Ottinger. All of a sudden, uh, Carrier, who's hardly Austin Matthews, you know, scores on a near side, below the dot, bad angle shot. And you've now pulled – your captain's been thrown out of the game. Your best goalie that you think is left in the playoffs other than Bob probably. Um, your, your goalie's out of the game. They pull the goalie – or yank the goalie, I should say. And so now you're down three in the first eight minutes of a must-win game on home ice. That's a fucking crisis. By the way, I think another factor into this, with a crowd that uh, I think, and this may be wrong of me to say, I think the crowds that are not traditional hockey markets are quicker to turn on their team. Um, I disagree. I disagree. I don't know, man. It, it wasn't I think that. they can I, get out of it. I think they can get out of it. when, And, and some, of, some of the Canadian fan bases, too, can get mad. Um, well, I've been there in Boston. I'm telling yeah, you, like, the crowd the gets very uneasy very quick. I don't think it has to do with traditional versus non-traditional. I don't. But I think there's a disinterest that goes into the crowd. But it sh- was, can we talk about the Ben situation? We're going to get into the D- Jamie Ben situation. And, and a guy that uh, has played a, a very prominent role for this Dallas team for as long as he has. Um, this was very dumb, very stupid. And and I, I mentioned quickly, quietly to, to Alex – and if they had gotten the four-game sweep, 
you got to look at Ben's captaincy a little bit in this in this moment. I I I this is I mean it it how can you put your team in much much more of a worse situation than what Jimmy Dip, Ben did in the first five minutes of the first game on home ice, and to get yourself suspended for two games, the league found it as they found it worse than than, than the uh, Petrangelo slash. And no. that oop you go ahead Jack. Oop. Sorry, here I go, here I go. Uh, this is funny, you know, I talk about us, <laughs> but, us letting it go, and then I jump in. No, I, the fact is, Jamie Benn has had to hold his breath ever since, and he held his breath probably every minute of Game 4, um, and the fact is he's going to have to hold it for every minute of Game 5 because he's sitting up in the up in the stands watching because of a very dumb, stupid act that uh, that I, I just I, – it's an unexcusable act in my opinion. All right. So the last time we debated a controversial, suspendable play, I think we all stepped on toes a lot. So I get that. I got, I'm very eager and ready to rebut that. Um, I'll go and I'll, I'll wait for the thoughts from Arm and Jack. This play between Ben and, and, and Stone. Ben is exiting the defensive zone and Stone is like right adjacent to him, not rubbing him out on the boards, but sort of obstructing him a little bit, kind of gets in his way a little bit. Ben, playing with the mentality of a game three must win at home, we're going to dictate physicality, leans right into stone and is clearly the aggressor in this like fringe, weird, off-puck collision. Stone, in my opinion, sells it. Instead of battling with Ben like two old-school captains, both guys wearing the Cs on their chest, instead of battling with, with Ben and maybe turning that into a scrum that results in matching minors, Stone tries to sell it, and I think that's where Ben snapped. I think Ben lost his cool because he identified Stone, who's a player I think he holds in high regard as a little bit of kind of an old school from the same from the same uh, cut from the same cloth kind of guy. I thought Ben, like in his his brain, just broke, and he saw white rage at. Are you kidding me? Are you going to be diving here at this little exchange? Are you really going to pull this shit? And then Ben said, you know what? Fuck you. You deserve it. And he went over the line um, and obviously put his team in a horrible spot. But uh, what I want to say on Jamie Ben overall is one of my favorite players in the league and I think a really, really classic old school good like I'm, I'm a huge supporter of Jamie Ben before, during, and after this incident. Second of all, I do think that he was reacting with rage and fire about about a, an embellishment that was an attempted embellishment by Stone that led to him getting the wires crossed, going crazy, and making that cross check down on his face move, which was over the line, and getting himself thrown out. And like that moment, that was a moment of bad judgment that screwed him over. My last thing on it. He was thrown out of game. He was thrown out of game three after 48 seconds time on ice. I think uh, less than two minutes into the game, they got a, basically a three game suspension. They had a five minute power play, right? And so then the league comes out and says they're going to give him an additional two. So basically, he gets three games. Yep. Way too much for me. Way too much. And your suggestion that they should strip Jamie Ben of the captaincy for that? I don't know. We'll see how they react in the offseason. I think that's ridiculous. I, I could I could see it. I think it's it's much more of a a viable point if if Dallas came out and, and laid an egg like they did uh, for the remainder kind of of game three uh, quickly, I think it's kind of brilliancy brilliancy from brilliant brilliant Jesus I think it was brilliant of Mark Stone I think yes you can kind of tangle in that you can engage 
You can take the matching minors. What do you do? He gained his team a five-minute major, and they went on and cruised from that point forward. So yeah, shake your head on that, Ross. But the fact is, it's it's engaging in the in the shit that is on the side. Yes, I get that Mike Mark Stone was being a little pesky, a little pesty in that situation. But the fact is, he he helped his team in in uh, in a pretty pretty big spot. He he silenced that Dallas crowd. He uh, and 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 the fact is, they cruised from there. And I want to hear from Arm, but from what you just said, this is this is like one of the perfect examples, especially when you look at the whole exchange. The result of the exchange, the league and player safety, this is a perfect example of the league incentivizing embellishment and the league, in my opinion, screwing up in how they uh, in how they um, disperse justice uh, across the sport. But Armdog, what do you got? Look, I get that. I don't think it's that far. I think, first off, embellishment has been a part of sports forever, and the that whole idea bigger and bigger every minute in sure, hockey. Sure, sure. Yeah, I get it, but like this has always been a thing. Even when hockey didn't have the rules, people people will egg people on to make a dumb decision and Jamie Ben fell for it. You know, Jamie Ben bit. And my issue with it is with the Jamie Ben play is like playoff hockey has leniency for going and hitting somebody as hard as you can. You know, like that Sam Bennett hit is probably a penalty in regular season. You know, probably is. Just because it's too much. It's too much in regular season. In playoffs, they let you go after people with the intent to beat them up. You know, you're not trying to kill them. Um, I think like Petrangelo crossed the line when it was a clear intent to just injure. I think that takes it a bit too far. I think you're you're more looking to, to bruise them up and maybe take them out of the series. But you're not really looking to hurt the player. You're, you're looking to bang them up. You know, you're looking to make the seven games tough. My issue with what Jamie Ben did is like, there's pretty much two outcomes here. One, you break his neck. He's out for the series. Right, potentially career but like, ending. But no, 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 like and Ross is like sitting. No, Ross is sitting here saying whatever. But like your injury here is not a bang up. It, it's no, it's a pretty no, major it's, fucking injury. It's another um, assault with a with a deadly yeah, weapon, and you get suspended. Or the other option is you don't actually injure him, and you just get suspended. Like when when you do that, there's not really a good outcome because Jamie mm-hmm. Ben's not. I don't think of Jamie Ben as a shit guy. I don't think he's actually trying to like end Mark Stone's career. But when you're looking at like a playoff hockey play, I like to see. It's like something where you can hurt them, you know? Like, you can bruise the, those ribs. You can make it harder for them to, mm-hmm. to play. Uh, but, like, if you're going to break his neck, he's been for the series. Like, there's not there's not much upside there, you know? It, it's, it's a pure selfish rage moment of saying, look, I'm pissed that you flopped, or I'm pissed that you're all up on me. And I'm going it, to – it's a selfish play, and I get it. I'm not saying this is an indictment on Jamie Ben's character. I'm saying it's a play that is costing this team. It will cost them. It didn't – Caused him to lose game four, but it could cause him to lose game five. Mm-hmm. He probably responded well in the locker room. I think people generally across the league have never heard anything bad about Jamie Ben, other than maybe edging the line of this stuff. But I don't think teammates are upset by that. Um, I just I, I I think it was a dumb play, you know. And I I'm not too upset with the two game suspension. I think if I were in the league, um, I I think the Petrangelo one makes it look like more because Petrangelo I think should have got more games just. For a clear, in- I, I think if there's a clear intent to injure a player, to me that crosses the line. That's not what anyone wants to see players out of games like that. That's why I thought Petrangelo should have just been suspended for the fucking series. Like if you're if you're gonna try to break a wrist, like I'm sorry, you didn't do it. Drysaddle would have been out for the series if you did do it. 
you should be punished accordingly. Mm-hmm. I, I wish Jamie Ben had just uh, shrugged it off or fallen on top of him, give him a little face mug. There's oh. so many better ways to do it. Come back, hit him later in the game. There's so many better ways to make a bigger impact than what he did. And I don't know if Ben and was... it's a disappointment. I don't know if Ben was kind of expecting Stone to drop the gloves there and, and he was hoping for a fight. I think that seems to be what Ross may be thinking, but... Uh, no, you know, I get it. it. It is, I think the league took head contact into the consideration. They Something that every sport... It's a sport, dangerous play. It is, it is. And and I know some may balk at that, but the fact is it, it was head-neck area. It's a scary thought. I, I still think it's assault with a deadly weapon, even like uh, with Petrangelo and his, loss, his overhand chop. You'd fit right in in Montreal. Oh, well, maybe. But, uh, you know, I... Final thoughts, I guess, on, on this on this may, incident. May I just have my rebuttal here, which is what Ben did once Stone was on the ice, right? When Ben's just – I think he went into a white rage and he just, like, made a horrible decision in that moment, right? So I really want to separate that from the initial engagement between the two players. Call me victim-blaming. You know, what? call me whatever you want to call me, Okay. But the bottom line is, you're in a hotly contested playoff matchup. It's captain on captain, and I think that's a factor. You're both wearing the C. You represent what your team stand for. And the the players get into this obstructional, just skating in each other's way, and, and Ben makes a hard play to just shove Stone, right? Like, it, there was nothing crazy illegal. Like, they would have just let that go. Stone decides to sell it. And to me, I bring this back to – the the heroic hit in the regular season when he's looking over his shoulder and and Reeves blindsides him the the Timo Meyer skating right in skating his face right into the shoulder of Jacob Truba in the in the Devils Rangers series I look at I look at Mark Stone's decision making in that moment to try to embellish and and take advantage of the officials. Uh, really disrespect the game of hockey and, and and take it upon himself to be a little diver like that. I I look at that as the as 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 the 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 very first domino that fell and and I blame Mark Stone for that. If Mark Stone took that contact from Ben and maybe gave him a cross check in the ribs back, maybe the two of them have a little scrum matching minors for roughing and like life goes on. But instead he dives down to the ice, puts himself in a vulnerable defenseless position. Again, he's not protecting himself because he's too busy diving and trying to take advantage of the officials. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm done with my rant. But that's what I've got. I'm not defending Ben's blind rage decision on what to do with Stone once Stone was on the ice. But if you think that Jamie Ben threw Mark Stone to the ice against Mark Stone's physical will, you're fucking high. Yeah. So my no only, one said my that. only, no one has said that. Nobody's saying that. But my only issue with that point is like, okay, we talk about players who wouldn't go make a dirty hit, go lay somebody out, go slash somebody. It's like, oh, that's winning playoff hockey. Ross, you said this about Petrangelo. That's what winning teams do. Mark Stone just did a winning play by it's a lot extreme. of accounts. He created a suspension. Thinking. He created a moment. And shame on the league for that reality. Yeah, but sure, Mark Stone. It's like, the erosion. I, I, it's the erosion of old time hockey. I think you're. It's deep, the erosion of old time hockey. I think your deep rooted anger is with the inconsistency of of George Peros and the, also just, the Department of Player Safety. That's an off season topic, and that's a conversation to be had another day. Um, prosecute diving. I just don't think you can. I don't think you can. Uh, Hate on Mark Stone for making what is, what is in the series a winning play, whether or not at least. Yeah. Do you remember my Rasmus Anderson rant from the regular season? 
Yeah, but when he lied on the ice like he was dead, yeah, and then yeah, he came then out he came and played back, the power play. Back, yeah. uh, Mark Stone's in my doghouse until he fights Jamie Ben next regular season, <laughs> or until he scores a winner. Right, we can accept it. We, no, we can accept it. We can accept it because we're moving on. Uh, the fact is, this uh, power play opened up for another shining moment from Ivan Barbashev, who has been one of the best, I would say, uh, trade deadline acquisitions in this playoffs. The rest are out. Um, yeah, well, that that is that is for sure. But the fact is, Barbashev has has carried a huge load for this this Vegas team. Uh, they also got store, scoring from Carrier, as you said, and Petrangelo scoring his first in uh, in the playoffs. But Vegas, they they just kind of took advantage. And, and yes, this a little bit of a sleepy Ottinger in, in net for for Dallas in Game Three. They throw uh, their their backup in net. I'm not going to. I think it's Wedgwood. Mackenzie Wedgwood. Ah, I was right about that one, um, and it, it was a wash. Uh, but we have to we have to take note in the fact this Dallas environment, this Dallas crowd started to throw in trash. They, they had a period end early because uh, because of kind of just anger within the uh, within the stadium that was directed towards the refs when when it could have been a little bit more directed towards the team's play overall. I think that's kind of where our, our conversation. Of, of how do we react to uh, to the market and, and what we saw kind of transpire in Game 3. I loved the fact that there was maybe 100 people in the building by the time the, the final horn went off. That That's a proper response, even though you probably spent $300-plus for those lower bell seats um, in, in Dallas. But what do we got on uh, on the rest of Game 3, the reaction of the, the Dallas fans? What do, what do we want What do we want to say? I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I want to talk about Game 4 because that was a good hockey game. The rest of Game 3 to me was okay, – it was embarrassing because Dallas, they just – they became checked out. They looked lost. They were waiting for time to run out. I liked what I saw out of Max Domi. He took a $5,000 fine, the maximum under the CBA, for trying to do something. You I just – I didn't – Muck it up. I didn't see enough out of Dallas that said we're not done in this series and there are more games to be played and we're going to make you pay. I would have liked to see a lot dirtier, greasier bullshit from Dallas the whole rest of the game. I would have loved to see Dallas playing with like six guys on their bench in the last three minutes. I was, I was you disappointed. You wanted a line brawl. You wanted Dallas to get. Thing is, like, you're not going to get a line brawl in today's NHL, but I look at guys like Radic Foxa, who I've talked a lot about, and he's fallen a little bit out of favor with mm-hmm. me. Uh, goes back to my Dallas depth thing that's waning a little bit. Um, you know, uh, Yoni Hockenpah, I thought he could have played a bigger role being Marge, disruptive he's been, and he's violent. Been banged up. I think he missed. No, he played. No, I know, but he hasn't played all four. I know, but he played in game three. I don't care. If you're in the lineup and you're six foot six, I don't give a fuck. Go hurt somebody. Um, and I, I didn't, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't, Essa Lindell, he can be a really mean pain in the ass. I didn't see it. And it really, it was, uh, it was a very sad sack um, effort from them in game three that gave me no hope going into game four. So I'm done on game three. I'm ready to talk game four. But what do you guys think about the rest of game three? Yeah. Another guy I want to point out in this, along the lines of what you're talking about, a guy I thought could be a Brian Bickle for this team. Mason Marchman has been mm, a ghost. And just kind of not doing anything, you know. And when you're that size, you can always do something. Uh, you can run into somebody. You can wreak havoc, even if the score sheet's not reflecting it. I haven't seen anything from him. Just no life, really. It doesn't seem like legs are under him. Um, in terms of the fans, uh, you know, my first reaction, and this was reading a lot of tweets about it, too, was like, oh, this is disgusting. I, I really don't hate it that much, to be honest. I, I get why people hate it. I didn't think they were attacking players. 
I thought it was just you fuck didn't see, this. You didn't clearly. And see I'm not the, saying uh, I endorse the popcorn it. that Aiden Hill had to walk. Through. No, I'm it's not pretty saying funny. I'm, I'm not, not s- against it. Is it's that not... a solve the deadly weapon, Jack? Throwing no, popcorn no, at a goalie? No, 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 no. But I, is that it, where you draw the line? It, clean it up. That's all I say. I'm just all uh, I'm no. Saying I, is clean it up. I wouldn't be proud if like uh, the Wings fans would never do this, but like uh. you know, I wouldn't be like exactly proud of the fan base, but also like. I look around, like, I, I watch some soccer. Soccer fans are, are praised for doing this type of shit all the time. Oh, it, dude, um, so- we're not crossing into the soccer debate. I, I'm not is... crossing in. I'm just saying there's fan bases that get away with this because they're notoriously rowdy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's too upsetting. And given the game they paid to go watch, expecting a good performance, that was bullshit. And uh, I, I think that trash was uh, indicative of what was seen on the ice. So uh, I'm not. I'm actually not too against it. I, I'm not saying I endorse it. Don't go do that. It's it's bush league. But also, if there's a game to do it, uh, that was probably it. Yeah, that fair, fair. Uh, it felt felt like 60 seconds of, of of a Dallas effort before things just kind of fell apart, and and that's kind of all she wrote for game three. Moving on to game four. And, and I know I said I'm done with game three, but, 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 but I did have this little point that I jotted down, which was the last time we saw Dallas play a gotta-have-it, must-win game was game seven against Seattle yeah. when they were perfect. Yeah. They yeah. played a perfect game. Mm-hmm. That's what was so crushing about that. Just Games imme- one and two. It the, felt heartbreaking for these team, this team. But even more so, like one and two or one and two on the road, right? Three at home, down 0-2. It's a must-win. Game seven mentality. And the last time we saw them play a game seven, they were perfect. Mm-hmm. And this was the exact opposite, which yeah, was shocking. It's it's tough when you get jumped on at home and the crowd turns. It's almost it's almost harder than getting jumped on on the road when all the crowd is just more rowdy. I don't think the crowd – I think the crowd's an overblown aspect. Hey, all oh, no, I think, the credit I think the, in the, I think the world the to the Vegas, Golden's, not, Vegas, ah, the Vegas Golden Knights because uh, it was – it couldn't have felt – more perfect kind of to this Vegas Golden Knights team to to kind of just quickly go in and, and kind of cruise to a to an easy game three. Moving on to game four, game four. Willie Carlson opens it up quickly with a with a goal. Dallas fans, oh, they got a little. Oh, is this not this shit again? No, that's not the case because Dallas was able to respond. They are able to make it one one with a goal from Jason Robertson. Uh, and uh, this is where we kind of I, I talked about it a little bit in the intro of this. He scored in every game but one. Obviously, not scoring in Game Three as a team. Uh, he, that was our, our outlier. But Robinson has woken up a little bit. He scored two, uh, two very huge regulation goals. One very impressive acrobatic uh, play in front of the net that that tied things up. But uh, no, I think you finally saw the scoring that that we've seen from Robinson in the regular season. Very much of a plus from this uh, Dallas team. As as this really is the biggest game of the year for this this Stars team and it, it is the biggest game of the year throughout the remainder of the playoffs because of the hole they were they were able to dig themselves um, Vegas I think they they played they were in it this is this is one where you could say it, it that maybe the bounces didn't necessarily fall fall Vegas's way in the end and, and Dallas finally felt like the domino fell in their direction uh, but I, I'm I'm interested and intrigued to see what the boys have, have got on game 4 who wants to to lead it off well, I got one. I got one starting point, which I'm I'm ex- excited about, and I actually like. I'm looking at this series. Yeah, Vegas is likely going to win, but I do think I think Dallas has the juice to come back. Um, what I really liked was that Robertson goal off the boards, where he just kind of outmuscled. I don't know who the defenseman was, and he put it in the net. It was a simple goal. I think a lot of people say, "Oh, it's wide open net." Not much to appreciate. Jason Robertson has the highlight goal. We know that. We know he can do the wizardry with the puck and, and, and figure stuff out there. I like seeing him score that type of goal because, to me, that's a playoff goal. 
That's the goal you're going to see. That's what Florida's mm-hmm. been living off of, right? Love to see that. I think that's an evolution for a young player that, like, if I'm a fan of Dallas, if I'm a fan of Jason Robinson, that's that's great to see. That's that's what you want to see. That's when when you can do that, the, the nice goals come. They start following after. So that's great. I think they have the goods. I mean, if they go if they go into Vegas, steal a game. I think game five is is Mr. Jake Ottinger. This is your time. You know, this is your time to say, hey, I am one of these elite goalies, which he has not shown yet. He's not shown he's and, and I think we're all waiting for him to be that. And I talk about him a lot because he's right on that edge, you know. He's not Shesterkin. He's not Sorokin. He's not Vasilev. He's not of that caliber. If he goes into Vegas and steals a game, this series is flipped on its head. Um, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see a big Jake Ottinger. I want to see him steal a game that they shouldn't win, which I think is what the what the game flow is going to be in Vegas. If that happens, this series is wide open all of a sudden. Because they go back to Dallas, that team will be buzzing. The rink will be buzzing. And then anything can happen. You know, you get yeah. to Game 7. That's their only goal. Well, really, get to Game 6 is their goal right now. Jake Ottinger's going to have to be huge. Vegas does not seem to be going away. And Vegas seems to be cocky. And one of the quotes after Game 3 was uh, something. Uh, there was something about hits. And Aiden Hill was like, it seems like, it seems like it's Dallas' shooting. They, they, they asked Aiden Hill about the people throwing popcorn yeah. on him when he came out onto the ice. Aiden Hill goes... Yeah, it seemed like everything was hitting me tonight. Yeah, which was just good line, good line, good line, great line. But also shows this this Vegas team's got a little cocky attitude right now. I think going in and stomping on them or just stealing the game changes that dynamic because Vegas is running hot right now and they're feeling it. Well, that's uh, I think to your point. I think that's all Dallas is trying to to steal is is a little bit more of the momentum on their side. I think Game Four helps that shift. Uh, But the fact is. Vegas is sitting pretty with two chances at home to close it out. They're really hoping it doesn't get to that game seven. Uh, they've quieted the Dallas building before. Can they do it again? Hopefully it doesn't get to that point either. Yeah. You know, being in the in the scenario of it is, Vegas, it's Las Vegas. It's an entertainment. It's a building that's, even if you're not even from Vegas, they're going to be cheering Vegas hockey. And I, I, I know, I know uh, Ross is in a building, uh, a guy who, who likes to get on the, in terms of the atmosphere. But I, I do think it plays a little bit of a, a factor. It maybe didn't play as much to Carolina as they had hoped. But um, the fact is Vegas has, has all the odds in the world, and, and Dallas has to search. And, and this is where I think game five, and the, the Jamie Benn sus- suspension, I know you're hating on it, and Ross, I'll unleash you because I know you're shaking and you're ready to go like another, like another, uh, another bull in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the pen uh, ready to be un- unleashed. But I think Jamie Benn's presence would have been huge in a game five he's able to settle this team down he's able to give them a little experience that's going to be nowhere to found it be found it, it leads to dallas's vets you know pavelski's need to to get the boys going you need need these guys to stand up and, and lead this stars team I, I think pavelski and uh the leaders of this team need to really shadow what ben could bring and and it will be missed in this dallas game five and, and that's why i think as much as as dallas winning game four was big. I we'll get to predictions, I guess, in the end. But Ross, you're unleashed. Go ahead. Really quick on playoff atmospheres. I'm all about playoff atmospheres. I think it's awesome. I think playoff buildings are a huge part of what make the Stanley Cup playoffs so great. I just disagree that it favors one team or another. It's there's okay. just no there's just no data to support that. It's just it, it, it's what makes it so fun. It's a it makes it a better TV product. Makes it better in person. But whatever. Uh, and it makes it better for the players. They love it. Anyway, um, next point. I thought, you know, it's sort of a broader picture about playoff hockey this year. 
how the game's evolving, how the league's evolving. And, you know, it used to be a very straightforward plan in the playoffs. You've got your goalie. If you've got two goalies, you've got no goalies, right? That was the old saying. And we've seen almost every team have multiple goalies involved in their playoff runs. Ottinger's been the one been the one workhorse all regular season and postseason. There was some stat. He's played something like seven more games of minutes than any other goalie left in the playoffs. Um, maybe it was seven. Maybe it was like ten. I forget. But, but the point is maybe he was a little overworked because he wasn't sharp in game three. And he got yanked after only about five minutes of work, and he basically got the night off. He looked fresher in Game Four. He looked he, he was he was kind of back to what we need from Jake Ottinger, which is gigantic. Um, my next point was you know we, we we've talked a lot about Dallas. We haven't talked a lot about Las Vegas. This is another team, right? And, and they're not in the finals yet. Um, but we say we've all picked against the Panthers a lot. We've all picked against Vegas pretty much at every turn, and. A lot of people forget they're the number one seed in the West for a reason. They're playing great hockey. They've got uh, the best decor left in the playoffs. Well, obviously it's three teams, so it's not that crazy. But um, their stick positioning is ridiculous. They have like the best sticks in like the, by a mile. And I, I give Bruce Cassidy a lot of credit. It's something that he definitely harps on. Um, the way that their team plays, Jack Eichel has been a constant threat. I don't think we've said his name yet, which is a, a shame because he has sent these – we talk about bouncing puck hockey. He's made some flat puck hockey epic, like tape-to-tape, one-timers. March or so's goal we mentioned, that was Eichel just absolutely – he gets one flash of a second, and boom, across the ice, tape-to-tape. Um, he's carried the puck through the neutral zone seamlessly. Um, he's been a steady threat the entire time. He's leading his team in points, and um, he's definitely making a case if, if, if Las Vegas goes on to win it all to be a Conn Smythe guy, which is a real upset. It's, I'm the first guy. Again, I'm, I'm happy for him, and, and, and um, I'm, I'm glad to see it. The league needs its superstars to become true superstars, and he's got all the juice. So it's good to see him realizing that potential. Um, my, my other point is – you know, Dallas, a lot of my Dallas pick was just about the depth of the team, the depth of this and that. And some of my confidence has waned there. But one of the big guys that's uh, been a focal point for me when I look at Dallas struggling is Ryan Suter. We t- we've talked about it. I've talked about it. I wanted the Bruins to go after him. He ended up getting the term in Dallas. Take a drink. Uh, he ended up getting the term in Dallas um, that I, I think is going to be a bad contract a couple years from now. And he's playing this. T- they shifted up their, their decor to have him playing with, and I've tweeted a little bit about this, but they have him playing with uh, Miro Heiskanen on the, on the top pairing. And there have been, I, I think, and again, these have been pretty much tight games other than game three. He's been on the ice, and he's been the critical weak link on, I think, a goal per game so far this series. And it's a real freaking problem. So I'm surprised that DeBoer hasn't addressed this. I think there's a move to be made, maybe bumping Lindell up to play with Heiskanen and maybe putting Suter with, I don't know, Hockenpah or thinking about um, bringing Colin Miller into the line. I'm not saying you scratch Suter, but... I don't know. Maybe you look at you, you look at you look at Harley and Hanley, and you make a tough decision there. Maybe you play with seventy, uh, especially now with Jamie Ben out. I don't know. That's why I'm not an NHL coach. But Ryan Suter needs to be addressed because he's been a real problem for for Dallas, and they're going to lose their season if they don't correct it. Um, my last point, which I think Arm did a good job on, which is Robertson coming alive, and you mentioned it also, Jack. My biggest thing on. My biggest thing on Robertson, my, my, my note is all caps, Robo has arrived. My next, no, 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 my next note, not just the scoring, 
Okay, he was a little brain dead on a couple of the goals that that crushed them in Game Three. Again, it's not like he was the one reason they lost Game Three. Everybody sucked, and obviously Jamie Ben and Ottinger and whatever. But he blocked a shot with something like 15 seconds left in regulation before the overtime, coming back, laying out, coming out of nowhere. And his overall engagement and play, I've compared him to Austin Matthews so far this postseason. Yep. And I still stand by that because as much as I beat up on Austin Matthews, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, just his attitude, his off-ice, his style, his bullshit, the sweater he wears, Toronto, the market, all that. But like my, it, my fair assessment of Austin Matthews' playoff performances is – not up to his regular season pace, but not like miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm seeing from Robertson, I'm not like totally taking taking the bait here, but I'm seeing him like adapt and grow before our eyes in realizing what he needs to do to be effective for his team to win. And I'm really, really, really liking that. You had Pavelski score that huge OT goal, sets up a game five, and I think I think Arm nailed it with with the with the Ottinger needs to steal a game. He just does. And Aiden Hill's been great, but Vegas has been so good defensively, keeping chances to the outside. Um, and, you know, I thought like period, like the second period in game four was an onslaught from Dallas. And Hill kept them in the game mm-hmm. and obviously went to overtime. So they could have swept right there. Um, so I, I think you know, you're going to need Ottinger to – I don't know if he needs to steal one, but I he's – it's got to be excellent. You know what? No, 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 no. If they're going to win in seven, he's got to steal one. He's That's got a fact. To, right? That's a like, fact. They're not going to outperform all three games. I think they need to address Suter. Um, and to me, those are the two big elements to this. Um, Luke Glendening's a guy that was in and out of the lineup. I'm, I, I've been on the record a bunch saying I'm a big supporter of his, his game. His name I'm gets a, brought up a lot in an announcer. Like the the play by play, right? He Glenn gets a lot of air. Yeah, yeah. His his announcer breath per which can minutes be a played. good thing for a player. That means you're doing stuff. You know? Well, it, well, and also like like his role in the NHL is funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine last night who like played high school football with him. Um, but like his role in the NA, in the NHL right now, Glenn Dennings, it's kind of fogo, right? Face off, get off, which is a lacrosse term. Which has like, been his role his whole career. Correct. No, no, correct, correct, uh, correct. No, I'm with you, but it's, it's like he doesn't need to play 15, 16, 18 minutes a night, but I do think he needs to be in the lineup because Dallas's big advantage is winning draws. They are not deeper on defense. They're not deeper at forward, and in goal, it's been at best a wash so far. So best. they need to own faceoffs, and they need to get sharper on special teams if they're going to have a chance here. Obviously, I've got <laughs> – at this point, I've got all my eggs in the Dallas basket, and I don't feel good about it. Um, but here we are, and they're going to win, they're gonna have to win without Jamie Ben. Well, no. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't expect them to win in seven. I don't expect them to win in seven. No, Do I think I, they can? Hey, it's playoff hockey. Anything's possible. Well, the, but, thing, the thing I want to point out is like but, – but, uh, And sorry, Arm, but the last point on that is if Ottinger steals a game and we see DeBoer address – Ryan Suter's role, his minutes, his ice time, his matchups, how often he's on the ice. If we see both of those things, we're going to be playing game six. Yeah. The one That's the fair. one thing that I think is a big in, – in game five is the most important because they have to win, of course. The other reason game five is huge to me, and I think it's more important than game six if it happens, which is like an odd thing to say. Let me tell you why, though. Let me tell you why. And I heard this, and you're, Ross, you're going to get even more upset when I say this, but I was listening to sports radio last night, so they talk about all sorts of stuff, right? But they, they were talking Celtics uh, heat. And it was Jason Tatum, essentially. He was saying, like, look, we were down 3-0. Now that we've won two games, we still have no pressure. Like, the, the pressure pendulum has shifted. Because now it's a series, and the Heat are sitting there shitting their pants 
because it's like, oh, they should have closed this out. Now game six is already a thing. This is where Ottinger, if he steals game five, you're going back to Dallas. All of a sudden, Vegas is sitting there like, where is our momentum? We were up 3-0. It changes. It changes. Like, the one game doesn't change the pendulum. New nickname. He's going back to Vegas. New nickname for Alex. The Kevin Malarm Dog. I don't know if you get that Red Sox Red 2004 Sox, reference. Don't let, it don't let us win tonight. Don't, don't let us win tonight because we got PD in game five. We got Schill in game but six. Kind of and anything vibe, can happen though. in game seven. That's, anything can happen in game that's seven. That's kind of the we vibe. We got PD though. in 05. We got, we got PD in game five. We got Schilling in game six. And anything can happen in game seven. Yeah, well, Pedro Martinez and Kurt Schilling aren't coming off the fucking bench for the Dallas Stars anytime soon. But I'm just soon. saying, an awoken <laughs> Jake Ondroff, his rest day, could could change things. All right, the from the Kevin Malarm dog. Which I got to push back on because I've been waiting for this for this moment and it hasn't occurred yet, but we're seeing life. Robertson, I've been wanting to call him Robo all freaking year in all playoffs. And I'm like, you haven't earned the Robo yet. Like, the Robo comes when you're an absolute savage in the playoffs. And Game 4 was was signs of Robo, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's earned Robo yet. I'm still going to call him Robertson until, until... And he's like, you know, it's just a... Because I heard you call him Robo, and I was like, I've been holding off on the Robo. I want to call him Robo. <laughs> I've, got an elder, I've got an elder statesman call out. Have either of you seen Robocop 1987? No. Yeah, I have with Will Smith. No? No, that's... I. It's, uh, no, never mind. I'm, I'm dated. I'm dated in the wrong. See, that's why I way. Just, that took just it on put the it chin. all together. I took it on the chin. I said, so, no. so we're gonna we're gonna have to sit down and watch RoboCop from the '80s. Schwarzenegger? No, it's not Arnold. Um, epic film, like shockingly violent. Like they just don't make them that violent anymore. It's about Detroit. It's about Detroit. Oh, we gotta watch. And like a futuristic corporate society with like ultra crime, and they create this ultimate uh, robotic policeman that just like fires fucking machine guns out of his arms. Yeah, okay. That's, basically, like an Iron Man that's suit. Next on our list. So we will have to watch that together. But you don't even recognize you two, and you adorable, precious, precious, precious co-hosts. We got to watch RoboCop because it, it's playing to your point. Like everything you're saying is as if you've seen RoboCop. So we're going to have to watch RoboCop. Um, the real nickname based on RoboCop was JovoCop for the old Ed Jovanovsky. Yeah, no, he, which, <laughs> who, he earned it. He yeah, absolutely earned it. He earned it. Um, and I'm with you on, on Robertson not really earning the Robo, but I put it as Robo because he's, 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 getting there. he's shown a flash well, the, of a yeah. Robo. The yeah. last cop I knew was BoroCop. Congrats on a great career. Also a tribute to RoboCop 1987. <laughs> I know, I know, but BoroCop was kind of my first Orocop. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, no, I, I get it. Real in name a, I used consistently, BoroCop. Real in, a, <laughs> real in a back end. We'll have a movie night slash hat form um, here in the future. We have to to understand the references. <laughs> uh, but no, I, you know, I think, yes, um, finally, Dallas uh, awoken, arised from the dead. But I think it's it's uh, too far gone. But Jack, Jack, I just have a problem with that statement because it's not finally Dallas awoke from the. It's Dallas had a really good battle and did exactly what they needed to do in games fair one enough. and two. Fair enough. The fair process enough. was fair right. Enough. Fair enough. The process was right. The outcome was wrong. Game three was a fucking disaster. Yes. And a must win. And that's that's where my exaggeration comes from. And now is, they're back. Now they're back. Now they're right? back. They had a good bounce back. Correct. But they're in a huge hole. And I think, yes, in typical years, oh. I like where Dallas is coming from, but I think this Vegas Golden Knights team has just kind of proven to us, proven to the world, the hockey world, that they're just not gonna, they're not gonna lay over, let the momentum go. They fought through throughout Game Four, and they very easily could have taken Game Four. 
Um, they're back in Vegas. There's no Jamie Ben. Yes, it hasn't necessarily been the Aiden Hill situation, but Aiden Hill has been excellent for for Vegas so far. I just I don't see a game six. I re- I really don't. I struggle with it. I think just the the overall depth, the way Vegas plays, it's frustrating. And it's kind of just it it's I don't know. I I just don't see Dallas coming uh, coming back to this series going back to Dallas. I I really don't. I got right. Vegas in five. Knights in five from Jack. I got uh Knights in seven. And I'm gonna say this is a, a kickback performance. I I agree with the rest of Ross. That was a good point of Ottinger. Looked better, it looked sharp in game four. Helped. It helped. I think he could look great in game five. And uh, then I think at home they're going to win, and then I think everyone's going to be like, oh, Dallas has this. And it's the classic, oh, no, you don't. Whereas we, we had three, we had four chances, sorry, to win this, you know, and they, they finally come through because I think the however many games it goes, they're all going to be coin flips. I think these are even games going forward. I think Dallas can get a couple bounces. you got to love the bounce game when you have Pavelski in front. Am I sitting on the fence too much to make this horrible, horrible reference? based on a real criminal that's just one of the all-time worst guys in the world. Yeah. My mind's telling me Vegas and six. But my body, my body is telling me Dallas and seven. You're fucking wild. I love it. Love the uh, the vocals from our, our boy Rusty. Paulie, you got to be loving Rusty. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm abandoning ship. It, it is... I. The Golden Knights vibe. It, it is going to be a, a spectacular performance on Saturday night from the Golden Vegas Golden Knights. I see it in five. The scenarios. Do you have? Did we get your prediction? Yeah. Vegas in seven. The scenarios. The scenarios as it follows. If this series goes to Monday, we'll probably see Game One of the Stanley Cup Final on June third. If this wraps up over the weekend, over the weekend, we'll be getting Stanley Cup playoff hockey. Continuing on May 31st, those are the dates released from the NHL today on start dates for the NHL Stanley Cup Final. Boys, 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 any final thoughts on uh, on the conference final round? Um, our next podcast will be kind of a little conclusion, depending on how many games Dallas is able to, to leg out. We'll, we'll finish off the Dallas-Vegas series, and, and I can't tell you how excited we are for our Stanley Cup, our first-ever Stanley Cup Final preview as we inch closer and closer towards the end of this season, a fantastic season it has been. Final closing thoughts from the boys. Let's hear it. Final closing thought from Rusty. Time off might not be a good thing for Florida. It's a lot of time off if it goes to the third. So that's a very good point. Very good point. Alex, final thoughts. Agree with that, but uh, I'm riding Dallas here. Let's go. Let's get some more games. Let's make a more series hockey. out of one of these. More fun. Let's more get, stuff let's to talk about. Let's get an actual series before the finals. Come on. Yeah, no, it's been weird. I mean, not to draw it back to the NBA. Such a great playoff, so we get two duds so far. NBA and so NHL playoffs have been very similar so far. We'll see what happens if the Celtics are able to drag it out uh, or if, uh, if if Dallas is able to drag it out in our, our case. But for you lovely fans out there, more hockey is always a great thing. We love covering it. We love talking about it, and we love uh, enjoying it. But the fact is... Things will come to a close at some point. If you've got any questions, comments, concerns, any thoughts, hit us up at slotshotpodcast at gmail.com. Um, in terms of our content, if you feel like you want more Star 6 Media content, only football is cruising through their offseason, and we've got much more coming, check out the Star 6 Media YouTube page. If you feel like you've liked our content, hit the like button directly below us. Hit the subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, go give the boys a follow at Rusty Pedroia for Ross. 
at armdog underscore SS for Alex and at Man for me. Otherwise, boys, listeners, have a fantastic Memorial weekend. Travel safe. Hope we're able to uh, be included in your travel plans, and we'll talk soon for our Stanley Cup preview. Mm-hmm.